Booty, the Fight Seriously podcast. Colorectal cancer patients are often faced with circumstances related to their disease that aren't openly discussed. In Tabooty, the Fight CRC podcast, we delve into those topics that are sometimes considered controversial, trending, or just plain interesting. Listen in as we talk to experts, patients, and caregivers who provide accurate, real, and practical information for cancer survivors. It's time for us to bring these issues to light. Listen in from anywhere, from your car to the chemo chair. To suggest a podcast topic, email answers at fightcrc.org. Hello, good afternoon, Dr. Kuttner. How are you? I'm well, thank you for being here. Very good. Uh, this is Andy Dwyer, and I'm with the Fight Colorectal Cancer with the University of Colorado and the School of Public Health. Um, today I have the honor and delight of actually uh, hosting Dr. Jean Kuttner, who's going to be joining us to talk a little bit about palliative care and colorectal cancer. So Dr. Kuttner, again, thank you for joining us. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Certainly. I am a general internist and geriatrician and palliative medicine physician who has been uh, working in the area of palliative care for, gosh, probably 20 years um, on the faculty in the School of Medicine at University of Colorado, and I'm also currently the chief medical officer at University of Colorado Hospital. Wow, fantastic. Well, we're very excited to have you uh, for our uh, our uh, installment of Tabuti, so thanks so much for joining us. So we actually wanted to talk a little bit about palliative care, your experience, and also just some general background. Um, and I understand that you yourself have a friend who actually um, was a colon cancer survivor who actually integrated palliative care into her uh, into her care. Is that correct? That, yes, that is correct. Okay. It was one of those uh, kind of personal and professional coming together at very, once. Very good. So as we um, start to talk a little bit, can you just describe to us in general and in a nutshell, how would you describe palliative care? Palliative care is an area of uh, medical specialty that uh, addresses the needs of people who have a serious illness. One way to think about it is an extra layer of support mm -hmm. for people that have a serious illness. It focuses on quality of life, on symptoms, on support for the person who has a serious illness as well as their family or friends. Uh, focuses on it's really helping people have the best life they can while they are dealing with that serious illness. Okay, very good. Well, we know a number of cancer survivors really um, need or want or are very much interested in palliative care, but I do think that there are some times that people are a bit confused or even reticent uh, to accept or think about palliative care. Um, why do you think that is and what can we do to help people make those connections? I think mostly people don't, either they don't know what it is or um, they, um, haven't, haven't experienced it or haven't seen it in action. Um, I think people worry that um, if they um, say that yes they want to um, have palliative care then it means that they can't have their regular cancer treatments or it means that they're right near the end of their life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a common misperception both mm -hmm. by um, you know, the general public as well as physicians. Mm -hmm. Very good. So if, you, um, if you're thinking a little bit about palliative care, I mean, there are people who actually recover and survive who actually integrate palliative care into their, um, in their course of therapy. Is that correct? Exactly correct. And I guess the way to think about palliative care is 
Any time that somebody gets even a new diagnosis, they are probably having symptoms. That's maybe why they went to the doctor in the first place. And then there's just the what we would think of as sort of the psychosocial and spiritual distress mm-hmm. of having a serious illness. And then even while you're going through the treatments, there you know there treatments are hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's you know there's hard things about going through treatments, both physically as well as emotionally and. And what palliative care can do is work with people with where, wherever they are in the course of their illness to help them address um, those, those sort of hard parts of having a serious illness. Very good. And I know um, within actually the medical setting is in the community and um, just with uh, patients and survivors, there actually seems to be a bit of confusion about the difference between hospice and palliative care. Can you speak a little bit to both of those disciplines? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess one way to think about it is if you think about palliative care as kind of an overarching approach to care. Mm -hmm. So palliative care focusing on symptoms, quality of life, support for the patient and their family uh, or friends, and help with Mm decision-making. Palliative care can be accessed from the time of a serious illness throughout the course of that illness. Hospice is one way of um, accessing those kind of services, but in the U.S. it's basically defined by insurance benefits, Mm -hmm. and in the U.S. the only way to access hospice care is if you have a diagnosis, or sorry, a prognosis Mm -hmm. of six months or less Mm -hmm. of life expectancy, and you're no longer receiving treatments for your, in this case, for your your cancer. So it's basically because of the way it's set up as um, as insurance uh, mm-hmm. benefit in the U.S. that there's that differentiation. Mm-hmm. So um, often what we'll see is in, in the ideal world, somebody um, would um, get palliative care, and I guess in the very ideal world, somebody would get palliative care and their cancer treatment at the same time, mm-hmm. and they would have a decent quality of life during that and then let's say they recover, go into remission, and then they may not need palliative care Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. Some people may have a lot of palliative care needs at the beginning, and then they get their symptoms under control. They may not have any palliative care needs for a while, and then something else may happen, Mm -hmm. and they may need palliative care. And then for people whose disease progresses um, despite treatments, or people who decide that they don't want cancer treatments, they may start with palliative care and then transition to hospice when they're closer toward the end of their life. Wonderful. That um, sounds like a definite definite support system that could be beneficial to people. Um, you touched on a little bit about the insurance coverage and you know that medical um, team and you know a lot of the standards really um, defining when people tr- make that transition. But in terms of uh, palliative care and people being able to access palliative care within the U.S., how does that typically work, and what do you recommend for people to do who are looking for resources? Mm-hmm. There, there are a number of ways to access palliative care in the U.S., and, and it's growing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the clearly well-defined way is through hospice. Right. And it, it actually is the best defined benefit <laughs> to get palliative care in the U.S. Um, and provides fantastic care with the limitations that I mentioned because of the way the benefit is set up of the six-month um, life expectancy and not having an ongoing cancer treatment. Aside from from hospice, the most common way that palliative care is available in the U.S. right now is, is actually during an acute care hospital stay. So when somebody is in the hospital, most 
hospitals, um, uh, more than 50% of hospitals have palliative care available within the hospital mm-hmm. um, when you're a patient in the, in, in the hospital, get mm-hmm. hospitalized. So the way you access it there is that to ask for it. <laughs> to ask on, for it. Honestly, yeah, okay. to ask for it because people may not think about it. And sure, which is part of the focus of this series and what we're doing is, of course, to bring um, topics that people might not know or might be confused about and really making them aware so that they can be very proactive in their own care. So patients being their own advocates and asking for this care is really important. And it happens more and more. I, I see patients here at University of Colorado Hospital and our palliative care service, and it happens more and more when we ask the referring physician, you know, what was the reason for the referral, and they say the patient or their family have asked for it. Wonderful. It's actually good news Yeah, um, that people are aware of it. So then the other place is recognizing that most of the time we're not in the hospital, even mm-hmm. when we have cancer. There's a growing number of palliative care outpatient clinics, especially associated with cancer centers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still kind of small, it's still fledgling, mm-hmm. but it, again, asking for it and saying, you know, is this a cancer center that, or, or does my oncologist office, you know, offer or have access to palliative care? Mm-hmm. And then it, there's also a number of community-based organizations that will provide palliative care um, services that come to the home. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, usually associated with the hospice, but not always. So again, that's a question to ask: is what's in my community? What organizations in my community mm-hmm. provide access to that? So then, the separate question of how it's paid for. Mm-hmm. Like I said, hospice is paid for by Medicare, at least in Colorado, Medicaid, and most private insurance. Palliative care itself is um, paid for under insurance like any other physician is, if a physician or an advanced practice nurse mm. um, sees you. Mm-hmm. Um, the parts of palliative care that uh, don't have a clear funding source right now are the other components, The if somebody needs a psychologist or a social worker or a chaplain or those pieces of it, mm-hmm. unlike the hospice benefit where yeah. those are clearly part of the benefit. Right. Those pieces, it's it's a little shaky how those are paid for. Usually, the organization who's offering the service just provides those as part of the service. Okay, but usually it can be built to insurance. Very good. So I know um, that you know this is a topic that is of course very near and dear to you. Um, of course, given the concentration in the field and the work that you do and the connection with patients. But at the start of the interview, you did talk a little bit about a friend who actually is a colon cancer or was a colon cancer survivor um, who had integrated palliative care. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your friend um, or her colon cancer experience as well as how that integration of palliative care helped her? Uh, yeah, I, I would be happy to. This is a, a friend of mine who I had actually known since childhood and um, uh, who uh, lived in a, a different city that, than I live in. And uh, I think she, her... Her course um, shows how that integration of palliative care and cancer care mm-hmm. um, can work really well to really focus on the person. And I think um, throughout her story and as thinking about the benefits of you know why to think about having getting palliative care involved at the same time as cancer care is it focuses on who you are as a person mm-hmm. and what's important to you. So uh, this is a friend, like I said, from childhood who called me in January a couple of years ago and basically called and asked for help because she'd been having hip pain mm-hmm. and she was a runner, people thought it was due to running and sort of 
long story short, she ended up getting an MRI, which they thought was to diagnose like some tendonitis or something, and mm -hmm. they found that she had metastatic cancer. Mm -hmm. And so she found out her diagnosis of colon cancer at age 43 um, with it being metastatic. And you know, clearly this is somebody who this was nowhere on her plan, mm -hmm. nowhere on her life plan at all. Right. So she um, was basically calling for, for help because she was scared. Mm -hmm. um, she you know, didn't know where to, to go next and she was in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I actually helped connect her with an outpatient. The city that she lived in ha um, happened to have a cancer center where they had outpatient palliative care available. So mm -hmm. I connected her really simultaneously with the outpatient palliative care and with an oncologist. Mm -hmm. I think she actually saw outpatient palliative care before she saw the oncologist and they were able to help her um, get treatment so that she wasn't in as much pain mm -hmm. and also provided both her and her family you know, the, the support as they were facing this brand new world that they were not expecting at all. Um, and then the palliative care and the oncologist worked together mm -hmm. um, in, in communicating and you know, sort of made her the center of, of that, of um, what, is, what are the best treatments for her mm -hmm. um, that will you know, hopefully you know, treat the cancer as well as help her symptoms. Um, she ended up um, having a very, actually a very tough course, ended up having first line, then second line, then third line chemotherapy, had radiation, and um, unfortunately her cancer continued to progress. Mm -hmm. um, but throughout the course of that, palliative care stood by her and her oncologist mm -hmm. stood by her because she had a lot of symptoms, a lot of pain, a lot of nausea, a lot of fatigue. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, because she was able to rely on palliative care to treat her symptoms mm -hmm. and to support her kind of emotionally through mm -hmm. this, that she was able to stick through mm -hmm. what was a pretty, pretty rough mm -hmm. <laughs> set of a set of treatments. Mm -hmm. um, I think you know, palliative care was also uh, able to help her at a time when she said, "I need a break. Mm -hmm. I, I need to feel like myself for a little while." Mm -hmm to kind of give her the language and the voice to be able to talk with her oncologist mm -hmm. um, so that they were able to then negotiate around you know, at, when, at a time when she was on third line chemotherapy to take a break and be able to live mm -hmm. yeah. for a while. Um, I think one of the best stories about it is, is that uh, we worked together with both palliative care and her oncologist to um, get her to the place where she was feeling well enough to take her 10-year-old niece on a long-promised trip to New York. Oh, wonderful. Um, which uh, was something that she had promised before she got sick mm -hmm. and she hadn't been able to do mm -hmm. all year. And then um, at the end of her life, um, we, she, we actually had her admitted to an inpatient palliative care unit because she was just getting even worse and worse symptoms. Mm -hmm. And that inpatient palliative care unit was able to um, provide the space for, you know, get her symptoms under control and provide the space for her family to come in from out of town and spend her last days together mm -hmm. with her and support her and her family. So while you know, the end outcome wasn't what any of us were hoping for, mm -hmm. 
Um, I do think that 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 sort of hand-in-hand support throughout the year, it got her um, a year that allowed her to live and allowed her to pursue the goals that she um, really wanted to achieve in that year. Yeah, very good. Thank you um, so much for sharing your personal connection. I know so many of the providers that do this sort of work do have a definite connection, and we really appreciate um, your time and the information that you provided. I guess in closing, um, you know, as you think about your friend and specifically as a colon cancer survivor, if you give one or two suggestions of advice for folks who are really starting this journey or even in this journey, what would you what would you say to those individuals? I, I think what I would say to those individuals is, um, you know, you, you know yourself and, and your body and, and what's important to you. And as you're going through the, the journey with cancer, no matter how, how it progresses, um, that, that you should be able to rely on, on us as a combination of palliative care and oncology mm-hmm. to help you get to, you know, feel as good as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And we can't make it go away, but we can, you know, help help you cope with this. Um, to be able to think through and, and be really clear about what your goals are, mm-hmm. what's important to you, and that's a very individual mm-hmm. decision. And it can be it can be really hard, you know, when you're sort of, you know, you're overwhelmed with all these choices and people recommending things, is to you know, be able to have your own voice mm-hmm. about what what's important to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think that. That's a lot of what we do in palliative care is we give people their voice back. Wonderful. I think that's a perfect point for us to uh, say thank you also on behalf of Fight Colorectal Cancer for also joining our medical advisory team, doing our interview today, and really uh, being a uh, fantastic support and advocate for all of your patients. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Very good. So this concludes our interview with Dr. Jean Kuttner for Palliative Care. Thank you for joining this episode of Tabuti. Remember that this information is for educational purposes only and all medical questions should be directed to your doctor.